You're listening to the Bill Shaves Podcast, presented by Midco Sports Network. January starting to wind down. That means the action is heating up in the Summit League and the NCHC, and Midco Sports Network has it all covered with games upon games upon games on the court and on the ice. For the biggest matchups featuring the college and high school teams that you care about, keep it tuned to Midco Sports Network. This is how we do sports, and this is the Bill Shaves Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Bill Chaves Podcast, episode 24, taping this on a Tuesday mid-morning, a snowy day in Grand Forks, about six inches of fresh powder on the ground, and we have quite the audience here in Bill Chaves' office, alongside David Folsky, our producer, Bill Chaves, the athletic director. I'm Alex Seinert. Jody Hodgson of the Ralph Engelstad Arena Group is here, the GM of the Ralph. Peter Senjum is here. We have we just a full a full crew. That's exactly right. Breaking all kinds of records today for attendance. It's exciting stuff. It's fun, isn't it? It is kind of fun on a Tuesday morning. Yeah. A good venue guy would tell you there's 26 people in here right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. All the unnamed folks that yeah. are, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about them later. But, That's right. Uh, no, a lot of fun. Um, another big week that we're coming off of in UND Athletics. Big week coming up. A bye week on the way for men's, not really a bye week, but a bye weekend for the women's hoops teams. North Dakota hosting St. Cloud State, the number one team in the country this weekend on the ice. It's, again, as we said in the open, January, at this time in the month, things are starting to crystallize. You're getting more of a picture of what's going on in conference standings. These games now all, like like they've been for the last couple of weeks, these games all really matter. A big week coming up for UND. And on basketball side, it seems like, you know, and again, I... Whether the Summit League, I think the schedule just kind of spit out this way, but it seems like all the Dakotas are playing each other yeah. in one, you know, in a two-week period. And so that's been kind of interesting for us as well. And it continues. Yeah. It does. I mean, this Wednesday and Thursday, it's the same thing. South Dakota, obviously, playing North Dakota here in Grand Forks. South Dakota State is playing North Dakota State, by the way, on Wednesday and Thursday as well. And so you've got, for the first time in 15 years... They're all playing each other. All these Dakota schools are playing each other, and it's all happening on a two-day span where they're all playing each other literally on the same night, Uh, and that makes for a lot of fun. And really, we said it a moment ago, but really important games on both the men's and women's side. Coming off tough tough weekends, um, losing out a couple of close calls in some rivalry games against South Dakota State midweek and then North Dakota State at the weekends. A chance now to bounce back against the other team from down south with the Coyotes coming to town. Yeah, and hopefully, uh, you know, it's funny, uh, Jody had sent us an email today and uh, hopefully the weather will hold out for us as well and yeah. so that'll be uh, tricky as well so so stay tuned if anything were to occur you know we'll try to do our best on, on, on all of our social channels and uh, and the website to make sure that we keep people updated as to what's transpiring as long as nothing changes the plan right now is for the men to take on south dakota on wednesday night seven o'clock at the betty and then the women playing the coyotes thursday at seven o'clock and then both of those teams will be off for a week and then on the road next weekend so last chance to see both the und men and women in person this week for, for a little while, last, last chance for a bit. So get out and support those two teams. Yeah, tricky. Last time they came up this way, they actually, they, their game got postponed. Um, yeah, when North they Dakota came State. To, yeah, mm-hmm. came to Fargo. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I, I guess what, south of Fargo on, on 29, I'm hearing is sometimes a little tricky uh, driving. And so, uh, you know, we'll see what ends up happening. Yeah, that Sisseton to Summit, there's a little corridor there that for whatever reason, it's like the Bermuda Triangle of this part of the world that people just never come back. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> so we'll keep, yeah, keep, keep posted, like Bill said. Keep, keep an eye on what's going on there. We expect that weather to move through, though. Should be no problem for the St. Cloud State Huskies to get here this weekend. Huge series for North Dakota hockey with St. Cloud State coming in. Uh, Jody, obviously you're going to be, that's your building that we're playing in. 
big opportunity for the guys to make up some ground in the pairwise against the number one team, not just in the polls, but in the pairwise as well. Yeah, it's going to be a huge series for a lot of different reasons, right? When you talk the, the national scene and the pairwise standings, when you talk NCHC and everybody fighting for home ice in the first round of those playoffs and everything that comes from that. So uh, throw in the mix, uh, regional rivalry and the fact that uh, a lot of guys on both teams have a lot of relationships that knew each other and have played against each other either in youth hockey or high school hockey or junior hockey. Uh, certainly there's a there's a healthy rivalry there and it should be a great weekend of hockey. Yeah, certainly some Grand Forks kids playing for St. Cloud State, some a lot of Minnesota kids, of course, playing for North Dakota. These two teams met, by the way, five times last year. Four of those meetings went to overtime. So we'll see if that continues yeah. in 2020, 2019 here this season. But some big, big games certainly for Bradbury and the guys coming off a, a competitive split against Omaha, which I think they probably feel like we were so close to a sweep, you know, up by two on Saturday night. It's one of those things. Close calls, some unfortunate puck bounces, and you find yourself on the wrong end of a 4-3 defeat. What's your thoughts uh, about the season thus far, Joe? Yeah, I think it's, um, I, we were just chatting a little bit here uh, prior to beginning today. And I think, uh, you know, just as a fan, maybe the one thing that I'm kind of left with is uh, I think there's still some money on the table for UND. I think typically you go through a season and there's peaks and valleys and usually it finds a way of leveling itself out. And I think they've got a few games in the bank that they're owed yet from uh, certainly a statistical standpoint when you look at shots on goal and time of possession and offensive opportunities. I think there's a couple there that have probably gotten away on them and you can certainly hope that those come back to you at some point here later in the year. I think from a hockey standpoint, you can look and say, hey, their season is still out in front of them. Like when you look at four of the next five weekends with uh, playing St. Cloud and Denver and Duluth and Western Michigan, your pairwise opportunity and your NCHC opportunity are out in front of you and you're in control of that destiny. So I think they've got a uh, great opportunity here in the next five weeks and really a, a weird stat when you look at the team's record this year versus ranked opponents versus unranked yeah. opponents. So uh, I, th I th certainly think the pieces are there and the opportunity is there to, to play at a high level against high ranked opponents. And uh, it's gonna be five, uh, four or five weeks of great hockey. Yeah, with the bye thrown in between. And, and like you said, they've really raised their game against the best in the country, and that's who they're getting. All these teams are top 15 in the nation right now. UND is right there. I mean, they're in fifth place right now in the NCHC, but you're only a, a handful of points out of seconds. St. Cloud State has kind of separated themselves a little bit right now. I think they've got an eight-point gap over the, the team that's in second right now. And obviously, any weekend, that can change. You can make up a lot of ground if you get a sweep over St. Cloud State this weekend. All of a sudden, you're, you're, that gap closes pretty quickly. But again, obviously, tough teams to play against, uh, but a great chance to try and make the most of those opportunities. And really yeah, I think the thing that uh, North Dakota has in its favor as well, right, is uh, I think it's pretty well documented in a lot of seasons that we usually hit the finish line at a higher level than we do the, the, the starting blocks, so to speak. And I think this team is showing signs of that as, get, as well again, where there's, um, you know, when you talk about a program like North Dakota with a turnover and some of the things that occur from a student athlete standpoint, I think you got a group of guys there that are working hard and a coaching staff that are really uh, focused on that day-by-day -day improvement and the process of trying to work towards the success at the end of the year. And uh, I think you're starting to see some of the signs of that. The results, obviously, Saturday night weren't certainly what they had hoped for. And that's uh, probably going to be a thorn in their side here most of the week. And that usually leads to a pretty good uh, effort yeah. come the next weekend. And I think we'll see that this weekend.
Yeah, I think so too. It was a quiet ride home on Saturday night. Yeah, I bet it sure. was. You yeah. know, and it just was one of those. You know, you felt like you had it in. Uh, you know, in 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 a little bit when it was about four and a half minutes of uh, of penalty time starting the third period, and it's kind of felt like got to get one more there in the bank, so to speak, because you knew that they were gonna they were gonna come at some stage, and they got a couple bounces and you know what next thing you know you're in a tie game and next goal is going to win it yeah and so that's that's kind of what transpired and you know we saw that the the night before uh, on the flip side so uh but you know again things are out in front of us still probably the tsn turning point right in that uh <laughs> you know and watching it on tv yeah. when they when omaha was able to kill that five minute major yeah usually teams are able to build some momentum off of that mm-hmm. and you could see they got a little shot of energy probably from that and Power plays, people always laugh and talk about percentage. Well, what's your percentage where you're at? It, it's probably equally as important when you get it compared to your percentage, right? You, you're up 7-1, to one, you, you get could, a power play goal. Yeah. I'm not sure what that really does for you. Yeah, a team could have gone 1 for 10 on the weekend, but if you bang one in that situation, it's probably lights out and you're, you're coasting home. So yeah. uh, certainly their uh, players are all well aware of that and certainly something they continue to work on. So Joe's joining us really for a big announcement today, and uh, it's exciting. And uh, you know what, what Jody, what you do with the REA and Engelstads, and uh, it just it's amazing. It really is. And uh, I know there's an exciting uh, exciting release that went out today. So this will be recorded today. You'll be hearing this tomorrow on Wednesday. So this will have gone out yesterday. But why don't you describe what transpired here, not a couple, but just a couple hours ago? Yeah, we're very excited to announce that we're going to make some uh, major improvements and upgrades to the arena this summer. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that project is going to occur over the summer of 2019. We are going to replace our center-hung video display, as they call it. So we will be uh, increasing the video space square footage by approximately four times mm. uh, above center ice with our center-hung. So the current display will come down. We will take the four boards that are on the top of that current video display. We'll be repositioning them to the north and south of the arena to put those on the walls above the club lounge on each end of the rink. And then we're going to put in a brand new display. So that brand new display will have a circumference of 135 feet. It'll have one single small seam. It'll uh, be a kind of a square shape for sure but it's got curved sides and rounded corners. So if you think of it, it uh, 135 foot circumference and uh, without a seam. So if you think of the ways that we could use that, we will be able to create zones for replays or statistics or fan information, uh, fan prompts and things. We'll be able to to do a lot of different things with it. So we think that that's going to be a real upgrade to the fan experience. Um, when you talk about some of Mr. Engelstead's original goals was to uh, certainly one of those was to create an event experience or a fan experience that was unmatched in college hockey. And we think this is consistent with those efforts to try and continuously improve the venue. And it's, um, it's amazing how quickly time flies. This, this season is the 18th year yeah. of UND hockey at Ralph Engelstead arena. So, um, not unlike most people's televisions and other pieces of electronics, there have been some significant upgrades and changes in the last 18 years. So the biggest part of that project is going to be the center-hung video display. And uh, on each side of it, we're going to go today from what is a 9-foot by 16-foot board. And on each side, we'll now have approximately 15 by 34 feet 
a video display on each of those four sides. So significant upgrade in terms of the size of the image that everybody's going to see. Accompanying that, we're also going to do projects um, on the fascia ribbon. So the fascia ribbon will all be uh, replaced this summer as well. So the technology improvement there will be going from what they call pixel spacing. So the pixel spacing really equates to the clarity of the image that you see. So our image on that fascia will be three or four times greater than it currently is, mm -hmm. which will open up some opportunities there. And we're also going to replace all of the, what we call the backlit signs. So the entrance portals in and out of the bowl from the concourse are currently a stationary sign with a fluorescent light behind it and they're backlit. Those are all going to become 33 of those. All of those will become LED video boards. So with the push of a button, we'll be able to create exclusive content where all 33 LED boards, the fascia ribbon, the center hung video board. For example, when, uh, when UND puts a puck in the net, you know, we'd have the opportunity to have every digital board in the building with a red goal light or whatever the, mm. whatever the design that's used or something similar happens. So both from a fan standpoint and a fan experience standpoint, it, it uh, is going to be a significant improvement but also from a sponsor messaging standpoint and the opportunity to create exclusive windows of time when somebody could quote unquote take over the bowl for lack of a better term we're we're really excited about that and the last two parts of that project um, one of them is going to be our media control room certainly Alex in your world and all the great things that Midco has done and I'm familiar with the investment it's taken on Midco's end to create production trucks and do the things they've done um, our total project cost is going to be approximately $6 million and about a million of that will probably end up in a media control room and high definition cameras and all the infrastructure required uh, with the new technology and the new boards that we have. We have to send it a high definition feed mm -hmm. and we have to give it a good quality video and image to put up there. So if you think of it, it'll be from the camera we capture the image on and how we process it through our media control room and then out to the boards. We still had a lot of that infrastructure was standard def. So we're, uh, we're, we're certainly going full in uh, on the high def world and making those changes. Joe, talk about the, the weight of the structure as well. Obviously, it's, it's going to be significantly heavier than the one that's currently there, correct? Yeah, the new center hung video display will be approximately twice as heavy as the current one. So if you kind of start at the top of the building, what that means is you're going to need uh, a new platform deck. You're going to need to reinforce some of the steel up there to hold the new hoist because the hoist is the mechanism you use to raise and lower that board. Uh, that hoist uh, is approximately, again, twice as heavy as the prior hoist. So old hoist come out, old, old center bung video display come out, replace with new hoist, new electric transformer up there, and new video board you've got more than twice the weight of the current system so you do need to we're going to need to make some reinforcements above everybody and and uh, add some infrastructure there to the steel to make it all happen the last part of the project that we're excited about is the led lighting system so musco lighting is kind of the world's leader in sports uh, bill you've probably seen many an outdoor stadium and arena with uh, musco lighting and uh, so we're going to put in that new LED lighting system. We think now's the time to do it. We're going to have about a two-month construction window where we take the ice out and get these things done. So that new LED lighting system, Alex, in the TV world, 
is uh, going to create a very white light, a very quote-unquote TV-friendly light, and actually reduces some of the glare that you see from some of the halide lights that we currently have. It's also uh, supposed to provide a shadow-free experience, so the TV quality is uh, certainly one of the benefits of that, but our fans, I think, are really going to notice what you would call a, a little bit of a theater-like atmosphere in the bowl. So with the LEDs, you're able to direct that uh, angle of light much more definitively than you are the metal halide lights or the current sport lights are more of a general or broad light. So with the LEDs, we're going to be able to create um, much more directed angles for the lighting. And what one of the byproducts of that is you're going to see a little bit of a atmosphere change where certainly the playing surface will be uh, illuminated in that bright white light, uh, but you're probably going to be a little bit darker in some of the seating areas around the rink. And it creates a, a little bit more of a, a theater-like atmosphere for the, for the activity that's happening on the ice. Yeah, you've seen that. I mean, we've that's kind of become a bit of a trend. Different different facilities have sort of gone in that direction, both in the NBA and the NHL. It's a really unique, kind of intimidating sort of a thing when you've got the bright lights just on you. Yeah, I, just kind of talk me through some of the uh, maybe the inspiration for some of the obviously the center hung as well. Where did you kind of get some of these ideas to make some of these big changes? Yeah, you know what? Uh, really, a lot of the credit goes to uh, Chris McGarry. So Ralph and Betty's daughter, Chris, um, is very proactive with regards to um, the types of things that she wants to do and uh, maybe more specifically the level at which she would seek to keep the arena. And uh, venue guys like me certainly have our lists, right? We yeah. always say if, uh, <laughs> if money becomes available, just like everybody in your house yeah. or whatever the case, right? If, if money were available, here's the things I would do with it. And... Uh, it was last season when Chris and her family were here for a game and we were standing in the penalty box and uh, Bill was around, we were standing there and, and uh, Chris was looking at the center hung and looking at some of the fascia ribbons and she said, uh, she said uh, hey, have you ever thought about uh, replacing any of this? Is it about time that we uh, do something different here? And certainly, uh, I was open to that conversation <laughs> and we certainly, uh, she, uh, you know, she is uh, a season ticket holder in Vegas with the Golden Knights and certainly a big hockey fan and has been to some different venues uh, in recent days and and uh, really it emanated from her saying, hey, uh, I think we'd like to help with that. If there's some things there you'd like to do and changes you'd like to make, we'd love to help with that and be a part of that. So um, of that $6 million price tag, the Ingolstead Foundation is going to fund $4 million of that. Mm. So they're going to take care of the big chunk of that project for us and then we'll pull some money from our long-term uh, reserve account to take care of the rest of the project. But uh, we certainly, there's some things there we've wanted to do in terms of fascia ribbon. That was probably one that's been on our capital list for a while that we've admittedly kicked down the road a little bit, looking at priorities and what some of the other things we wanted to do. And, and uh, with the opportunity that was presented by Chris and her family, we think the time's right now to do it. And we think it'll be a, uh, a 12 to 15 year fix or a 12 to 15 year life on this technology and thinks that gets us uh, quite a ways down the road. Yeah, certainly. Well, when you look at it, the, the mock-ups that we've seen today and how this is going to play out, I mean, it makes it already a spectacular looking facility just that much 
more spectacular. It's going to be the largest center-hung video board in college hockey, 2,100 square feet of video space. It's really, really an impressive addition to an already incredible building. I tell you what, your close-ups with the Midco Minute up there are going to be pretty sharp, <laughs> Alex. You're, uh, We're going to need a better, better hair and makeup department uh, in that you're, case. You're going to have to be on top of your game, and uh, I would recommend that you cut Brant out of any uh, close-ups uh, moving forward. <laughs> oh, no, all it's, these, it, it's all these HD cameras, I man. So I, I happen to be yesterday at uh, at Purple Arena watching uh, Central play. And yeah. Central's pretty good. Um, and so there's that. Uh, and congratulations. I think Jody's son scored yesterday. So uh, good good for them. Um, David Falski was there because David's uh, father's on the bench with Bismarck High. And he was, so, yeah. Yep. So the, uh, simultaneous games going on at once. So that was fun. But I think that we were talking about this and the thing that David kind of, just to give you the size or the scope of it to some degree, if you're lower in the bowl, let's just say behind our bench, you're almost going to, you can't even really see the main screen, but there's going to be a screen almost within the, the board itself so that you can see it underneath. Does that make yeah. sense? I'm not doing a good job describing no, it. No, you, you are doing a really good job. We got to find a better word for it. Even in the industry, they're called underbellies. Oh. So they're underbelly signs so that when you're down low, you're looking inside the uh, video display. So there will be a prominent one on the east side and one on the west side. So both from the bench side and from the penalty box side, you'll be able to look up inside the video board and uh, there's going to be a large sign inside each where we'll have stats and uh, we'll have video on there. So if you think even from coaches on the bench, uh, one of the, um, one of the uh, disadvantages, I guess you'd say, with a, a board of this size is their angle gets pretty challenging to see their side so on the underbelly they'll look kind of straight across the rink into the underbelly to see things like penalty times and when penalties are expiring and shots on goal and all that stuff so there'll be a lot of statistical information on there certainly that i think our fans will enjoy but it's certainly leaning towards uh, bench knowledge as well and guys in the penalty box seeing what's going on. Yeah, practical information, not, yeah. not just from an entertainment perspective. No. You've literally thought of everything. Like that's well, I, uh, you're giving me, <laughs> I didn't think <laughs> well, of everything. These, uh, Dactronics is a great partner. Um, great success story when you talk about the Dakotas, yeah, right? Yeah, great uh, South Dakota company. Yeah. Brookings yeah. company that today is probably the only American company that are putting together boards in the U.S. and doing the things they're doing. They're an industry giant. And uh, the great part about uh, the project for us is being able to sit with them and run through, um, much like Mr. Engelstead and others did from UND when the building was built, they traveled around the country and saw, you know, 25 or 30 other buildings and said, I like that, I like that, I like that. And they took those ideas and incorporated them. With DAC, you're able to sit and look at the last 50 that they've done. Mm -hmm. And they tell you, here's the shapes that fans in other markets tell us they like the best and here's what's the best orientation for hockey and a stats board and here's what works you know they're able to tell you hey in buildings that are x feet wide you need to be this far away and here's what works best so um, their experience in the industry is a great advantage to us the cool thing about this again is that this is just the next the next step in what's been such a great 
eight, as you said, 18 years of the building, and it feels like every couple of years there are, there are new updates. And I think the balance between updating the player experience has been so strong in recent years, updating you know the, the glass and the boards and making sure that those things are up to code and standard and, and at, the, at the, the cutting edge of what hockey is around the world. And then also the fan experience has just been improved. And every time you walk into that place, it still feels like it is a brand new facility, even though it's going on you know, two decades worth of life. I, again, just a testament to the vision that was held and then the, the, the stewardship of the university yourself. It's, it's, again, remarkable what this group I, I does said, every year. I said to somebody the other day, I said, We're, uh, when I think of the University of North Dakota, and I think about Grand Forks, and I think about the Ralph, and I think about our venues, like we're abnormal in a positive way. Mm. Like it's a unique, abnormal situation. And the credit to the people that were involved when the arena was built from Mr. Engelstead and Dean Blaze and the committee and the group and Roger Thomas and everybody else that did the things they did, like uh, in a world today where most arenas probably have about a 26 to 30 year life, like they're they're tearing them down. Yeah. They're getting them broken in, and then they're tearing them down, right? Yeah. Um, I think the arena, I think the arena has the opportunity to be a hundred-year building. Yeah. Like when you talk about the timeless materials that were used, brick doesn't get passe, right? It's yeah. not trendy, and the marble and the it's colors. Classic. Yeah, it's classic. It's classic. Hopefully, it's timeless. Timeless and classic. And then hopefully, right? Hopefully, for all of our kids and grandkids and whoever it is, like hopefully it can be. Fenway or Wrigley of college hockey and it can still be sitting there at the 100 year mark and I think it has an opportunity to do that. Yeah, well, that's the standard. That's what you want to be. And obviously, the, the groundwork's been laid to have that type of a shelf life. You talk about, again, the Bradley Center was just torn down this past week in, in Milwaukee, a place that has a you know, special place, I think, in a lot of people around here. And that building wasn't very old. I mean, I think that's when you think about you know, Turner Field in Atlanta where the Braves played, like they had just built that for the 96 Olympics. That's already been torn down. I mean, like that's that's kind of the the new way of thinking and i love that we are trying to preserve something that is so special that has a great opportunity to stand the test of time and be around for a long long time for generations to come yeah i think you're right like it uh, it's probably a little bit different too in the pro sports world right sure in uh I, I think the one that really opened everybody's eyes in our industry i think the miami heat in the miami arena i think they were in it for less than 20 years yeah. they they blew it up at about the 20-year mark and uh I think there's maybe a little different business model there, but in, in the college world, right, we think that uh, it can be that type of special place. And I think as a as a group, there's been a great relationship between UND and REA to do things like this. Um, it's not just REA. If you think of this project, for example, we fund a reserve fund. So in the discussions between REA and UND Athletics, there's both a short-term focus and a look at net income allocations and what can be done on an annual basis but the university also really buys into the long-term approach of setting aside money on an annual basis so we've been able to do that for most uh years in recent history here we've been uh, able to take half a million dollars and put it into a long-term reserve and repair account that requires the mutual agreement of both parties to sure. pull it out of there mm -hmm. so we stick it in and then as a group, we decide, well, what are we going to pull it out for? What makes sense? And this is a project um, where we have built up some of that money where we're going to pull $2 million of that out to complete this project. And uh, everybody in the country doesn't have that opportunity. Yeah. I, uh, my colleagues around the country, it, uh, it can be a, a real, real challenging situation to, to get your hands on the resources needed to make these kinds of changes. So 
Um, we're certainly very lucky in that regard to have the support of the family and the relationship with the university. And at the end of the day, um, as a group, Bill and I were able to move this one through and facilitate it in a really, really quick manner, in a really, for all intents and purposes, a rather easy manner to get a project done. I, I think most of the people around the country would uh, give their left leg to have the opportunity we have to make improvements. Yeah, and I, I'd say, you know, it, between, uh, I, I guess, both of our groups, all of our groups, we, we continue to discuss, you know, what's the next iteration of, of folks coming to games, right? Mm -hmm. and, and what do you have to provide them? Because they have incredible alternatives at this stage True. of the game. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, you know even, you know, the, this is kind of the Ralph experience, and then there's going to be kind of the Betty experience, and even, you know, we talk Alaris Center. There's there's pieces of the puzzle where we have to be thinking through, like, how do you, how do you enter entertain folks and how do they want to be entertained and that's the other piece that has kind of changed sometimes it's just the game's not enough at this point in time sometimes it is when you have back-to-back -back overtime wins and you leave the ralph it's awesome right i mean it's a it's a energy yeah. kick that you that you get like with no other but absent of that we have so many different demographics from how do you get our student body to the game to how do you get our uh, families to the game and everything in between Probably our biggest challenge, Bill and I talk about it pretty regularly. Uh, I, we both think one of our greatest challenges is how people are currently consuming sports. Like it's changing rapidly yeah. when you talk about uh, people, uh, you know, maybe they don't need to view a game. Today people are, you know, they're, they're tracking a game on Twitter or they're doing, using different platforms to watch and or track from different locations and all the things they're doing. So. You know, I think it's changing rapidly how people consume sports, and certainly the the priority and the focus here is trying to maximize that event experience. Like how how can you make that special live experience, right? Commu communal, communal, right? right? I mean, it's a big communal area. How do, you, how do you get that? Nothing like being with twelve thousand people when a puck goes in the net when in overtime, happens. right? That's right. That's got to be different mm -hmm. than sitting in your lounge chair at home, right? <laughs> Where there's no line at the bathroom. Yeah. You pay a dollar for a beer. You can eat whatever you want. You can swear and say whatever you want. <laughs> like that's, All of it. Yeah, those are yeah. our things, right, and how people consume our, our events and activities. So certainly uh, we hope that it enhances that fan experience. Well, I think this is one of the many things. Sorry, Bill. This is one of the many things that will, I think, get people just another so. reason why you want to come out. One of the things, too, that you have going for you, hockey still is a, a, a sport that you have to see in person. I think hockey still more so, I mean, football, honestly, anymore, like going to an NFL game where there are 75,000 people, but your your view might be a little bit odd and they have such long TV timeouts and there's all that stuff. Hockey is able to overcome a lot of those things that maybe are detracting people from going out and watching other sports. There's still nothing like watching hockey in person. That home experience is still the best. And we have the best home ice experience in the country in terms of college hockey. There's no doubt about that. I think that's those are some of the factors, I think, that aid the fact that we still have number one in attendance, both on a per game and annual basis. These things just sort of help. If you, if you haven't been to a game in a while, here's another reason why you want to come out and just experience this and remember, oh, this, this is why this is the best place to go watch a hockey game in the country. Yeah, we sure hope so. I tend to agree with you. I think it's uh, different sports, right, or uh, uh, play differently and on different platforms and on television, and hockey probably is one. I hear that comment maybe a lot of times from casual fans who say, uh, hey, like the live experience is so much different yeah. than what they might uh, see on their screen. And it, uh, each sport is a little bit different. And hockey probably does, probably does tend to provide a, a little different live experience than some other sports. I, I'm, uh, 
I'm not the world's uh, most advanced football uh, X's and O's guy, and football for me live is a lot more challenging than it is on TV. Sure. Football for me on TV is uh, <laughs> is perfect, right? It's a uh, great experience. Just let Tony Romo tell you what's going to happen. And That's you're, right. And you're in good shape. I, right. I hear Tony is predicting the weather and the stock market, right. and uh, he's on everything today. Is he? Oh, yeah. Nostradamus today? That's is that right. the word of the day? Well, here's the problem with oh. that. You want, want the problem? He actually has to now go do the Super Bowl. So, yeah. I mean, he's at such yeah. a pin yeah. pinnacle right now. He, there's only one way he can go at this <laughs> stage of the game, right? So Holy what, cow. So what is going to be the most uh, ludicrous prop bet that will be on the Super Bowl with what Tony Romo is going to say? There, there's got to be some lines on oh, what I'm he's sure. going to predict, oh, isn't I'm there? Sure. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, I, I um, that's a great question. I'm not sure if it will be something about over-under number of plays he correct, correctly predicts before it happens. or they, Him and Nance have such a good thing going on right now. They that, do. I'm sure there'll be something. There'll be something that they'll come up with that's going to be Tony Romo-based that you can bet on. I have two other quickies for Jody of while he's here. Um, Jody and his team, our team, did an awesome job bringing back the 1958-59 team. And yes. it just to just give a little mm -hmm. bit of a color of, of what transpired there, we talked about it in the last pod a little bit. But, you know, Jode had has been kind of in the inner uh, sanctum of some, some things there. And I think they had a great time, huh? Yeah, I thought it was really, really neat. It um, To me, the takeaways that I took was how impactful their experience at UND was for them. So when you talk about our student-athletes and uh, – we, uh, in conversations that Bill and I have, Alex are talking about things like student experience, right? Mm -hmm. Student athlete experience. So you, you hear a quote from uh, Rhett Gardner who says, hey, I didn't want the game to end in Vegas. Uh, it, it was that type yeah. of experience for him, right? He stood on the bench and said he didn't want the game to end. And then you talk to these guys from 58, 59, and the experiences they had and the impact it's had on their life. My takeaways from that weekend were um, there's a group of guys that were extremely successful in life like in all different ways right when they talked about their families and careers and everything they did they provided us with all their bio information and just remarkable the things they achieved but i would dare say like just the level of happiness they had and Humbleness. And humbleness. And, and, yeah. and pretty funny. Yeah. There was some they're, good, they're pretty funny. There were some good stories. They, uh, they sat on Saturday morning. They had a breakfast where there was just the 15 of them and no wives, no spouses, nobody else in the room. And I, uh, I guarantee you they, uh, they all thought they were 20 again because the teasing started and they stood up and they're giving it to each <laughs> other and going back and forth. Oh. And just really neat uh, when you see the impact that the – student-athlete experience had on their lives. Most of them referred to it, um, they talked about that as a group. Most of them said it was one of the highlights of their life. Mm. And they said that the chemistry among that team was so tight. Uh, Bill, I think, asked a question about, well, what made it that way? And I think one of the answers was they were all from similar circumstances. So they all thought of themselves as this group of kind of ragtag cast-offs is the way they described themselves who came to Grand Forks and created uh, great team chemistry and did something special. But at the time, the other thing that kind of stuck with me, they had no idea how special it was at the time. Yeah. Like to them, they said it was just fun, right? Mm -hmm. It was just fun. It was maybe if we hearken back to the days of a pure athletic experience, they said they weren't worried about or, um, notoriety or anything that came from it, right? They were just playing for each other in a group of guys that won a national championship. And uh, I think they did it for the right reasons. They said they all knew 
they weren't going on to play pro hockey. They knew that was going to be the pinnacle of their career for most of them and kind of harbors back to those days of pure athleticism and doing it for the right reasons and all the things they did. Well, it goes back to why do you go to the rink, right? I mean, you can't, that experience that night, honoring them on the ice was just awesome. And it just that you can't get that at home, although you can bring it to people at home. But, but in a different way, though. In it's a different, different way. But to some degree, you almost have to kind of be there to feel it. Yeah, to experience it with That's everybody great, around you. Yeah, the great thing about the UND hockey program, right? you can't, uh, the Arizona Coyotes today would love to recreate 80 years of history and 80 years of a relationship. Um, you know, at, at North Dakota, those things all happened organically and they happened naturally over time. It was really neat. Those guys, when we were moving them from the ceremony in the basement back up to their seats, uh, one of our ushers actually at the Ralph kind of pulled me aside and said, hey, can I grab Ed Tomlinson for a second? He said, he was my squirt hockey coach. Hmm. I was eight years old and he coached me. I'd love to introduce myself and see if he remembers me, right? So those <laughs> organic relationships yeah. that occurred, all of those guys, uh, almost to a man, all coached. Like their their life after their playing experience became pretty significant in their own communities of coaching or refereeing or officiating. They were all very involved in the game in one way or another. Jody, talk about one last shift. That was kind of neat too, huh? Yeah, that was a high, for me, that was a highlight of the first half. That was, uh, I thought that was great. So when uh, Jim Archibald came back and so he's, uh, most uh, folks in Grand Forks know that uh, Jim's a pretty good character, right? There's no shortage of personality there. He was uh, downstairs in the tunnel getting dressed and that was, uh, that was funny in its own way, right? Pulling out a hockey bag with, he had some original equipment in there, sure. stuff that he'd had for a long time. And so he was, uh, he was certain there was lots of questions. How's this going to work? And he was, uh, he was certainly giving us the impression that he was kind of nervous about the whole deal <laughs> and how this was going to go off. And then the light came on, the curtain opened, and Arch took off out of the tunnel and hit the ice and uh, gave it eight or ten of the nicest cross cuts I've seen in a long time. Oh. He had some hop in his step. I think he went good, one more time, oh too. Yeah, he had oh a good yeah. snap to his step, and uh, our guys loved it, the current players. Mm. They loved it, and, uh, you know, I think Jim had a great time, and our fans, I think quietly, right, he'd probably be, I think he's probably in the top five most popular players in the history of the program, and but kind of in a quiet way and uh, kind of neat to get him back and give our fans an opportunity to see him. Yeah, we had just talked to Cole Smith not too long ago who played for Jim uh, in high school, at Vermont yeah. High School, and just he had said, like, that was – so really moving and so inspirational to see his coach, you know, come back to his home rink and skate around, give him a fist bump and a word before the game. And he said that was, you know, one of his mem memories that he's going to take with him for a long, long time, having that experience. I, that's, it was a great night before that, before that game against Wisconsin. Yeah, so I think it's so different, right, than a guy stepping out on carpet. Oh, yeah. Walking oh, out in a suit <laughs> giving a plate, you know. He yeah. had, I mean, he had the well, pads he, on. I mean, he was ready to go. Yeah, he was ready to play. He, uh, <laughs> I think if Bubs would have given him the opportunity, he'd have probably started that night. <laughs> he would have had one last shift. I, so speaking of memories, and uh, again, I kudos to, to Jody and, 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 and all of our staffs that have made it happen, but the Vegas uh, piece was awesome this year. Obviously, followed from the New York uh, a couple of years ago, and um, just talk about the destination game. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Like when you talk about that student-athlete experience and fan experience and fan development, uh, hopefully it checked most of those boxes that uh, 
UND Athletics and REA sought to have it check when we started the process. And I think it's, uh, again, it's unique and abnormal in a very, very positive way. Like the, the memories for me or the things that stick with me will be poking my head out of the arena at about, uh, I'd probably been outside like when the football game was going at maybe two o'clock. And then we got busy inside with pregame meetings and all the stuff that had to happen in that time period. So I think it was probably about five o'clock when I poked my head back outside the rink again. And I was blown away with the size of the crowd. Like it, uh, it's, uh, you know, the kind of thing where you just stand back and say, are you kidding me? Like, this is incredible. Look at this crowd and look at the support and everybody in green. Mm-hmm. It, uh, just remarkable to me. The, the takeaways for me were that. And then the other takeaway was uh, people heading out of the rink at the end of the night. So once the final buzzer sounded and everybody was coming down the escalators and heading back out and fans were chanting and cheering, it, uh, again, I think it was one of those special live sporting events that makes life different. And the reason most of us, I think, are probably in the business, right, is that the feeling you get from those types of experiences and seeing people enjoy that. So... um, I thought it was great, and Vegas is probably magical for a lot of different reasons. Hopefully, uh, the hockey was won that night, and future, uh, hopefully we can replicate some of that down the road as well. That's in in play at some point in time, but we're just just not there yet at yeah. this stage. Is that right. fair to say? Yeah, we're. Uh, I think it's. Uh, there's been certainly a fair amount of community discussion about some potential future sites, and certainly uh, lots of things happening there and working at things and. Hopefully, uh, we can get that all squared away here in the near future. Yeah, stay tuned. Stay tuned on that front. I do want to ask you one more thing about about this particular investment into the building. You know, I would say that this will draw some attention in terms of maybe either bringing different events to the Ralph. I mean, we had World Juniors here probably about, what, 12 years ago now or so, however long ago that was. Is that is this something that might attract things like that? Is this kind of part of the process of, hey, this could be another opportunity to draw some of the world's best to come back to Grand Forks? Was that kind of a part of the thought process? Yeah, I think it is. I think as part of maybe the bigger picture, right, when you talk about branding a venue and branding a market, um, certainly uh, from a marketing standpoint, um, anything you can do to make your venue a better experience for your fans is going to help you sell tickets for whatever that event is. So I think the more marketable and the more people want to attend your building or come to your building, that's going to help you with events. Um been a little bit of a change like uh, we talked about what's happened in the last 10 or 12 years with other events and sporting events certainly the world junior event has uh, has exploded in many ways it uh, it uh, it's probably unlikely that we see that specific event mm-hmm. in a non NHL market here in the near future I think it's pretty locked into NHL markets given the relationship between the National Hockey League and USA Hockey mm-hmm. Some of that funding that's provided from the NHL to develop the game in the U.S. has certainly uh, been impactful for the U.S., but it's also come with an expectation that those major events be played in NHL markets. Sure. So that uh, is probably something we would fight in the future. But maybe on a smaller scale, there's certainly other events uh, uh, that it would make us uh, a better host for, and I'm pretty sure at the end of the day it won't hurt. (laughs) <laughs> I would say that would be a large understatement yeah. I would say Jody yeah. oh cool 
We're good. Anything else? Anything else? No, you know, I and again, we probably don't need to go to the B side today. We probably can flip the B side and, we can and save wait. It. We'll save it. Yeah. We'll save it. But you know, I'll, I'll say this. I, my last is uh, two things. One, thank you to Jody. Thank you to the Engelstad family. Mm-hmm. Again, I, it just a uh, tremendous uh, arena, tremendous uh, environment, and uh, what you do for for REA and for UND, mm-hmm. it's just it's awesome, Jode. So I really do enjoy working with you for sure. It's awesome, um, Molly Detloff. Mm-hmm. If you want to throw a heavy weight, you should just <laughs> call, have her call, call, Molly. call Molly. Call Molly. That's yeah. what I would tell you because she can throw a heavy weight. Yeah. When you're in the top 10 in all of Division One, in doing that, that's saying that's something. Good. In anything, right? In, in anything. Any, that's remarkable. Yeah. That's it's awesome. Pretty, it's pretty good. So yeah. she's uh, she broke her own career record, um, and so mm-hmm. she's just been uh, she's been on fire since she's she's gotten here. So so congrats to Molly. Yeah, Molly, a former All-American, yeah. Uh, 70 feet 7 inches in the weight throw this past Saturday in Brookings at the Jim Emmerich Invitation. Not a, not a big deal. Yeah, 7th in the country in that event. So get ready for more of that. She's going to be competing, by the way, this weekend here in Grand Forks. UND hosting yes. a little invitational this Friday, Saturday. So another opportunity to come out. Even though there's no basketball this weekend, hockey and track and field going on in town. Good things. Good opportunity. No question. See no one question. of the nation's best. Yeah. So I think next week we are. We're Tuesday again. I think Tuesday yep. again. Um, I'm going to the NCA convention, so I'll mm-hmm. be. Uh, I'll have a little bit of a. I guess well, I'll give you the 411 as far <laughs> as what I know. In, you know, in the industry. Good. Stay tuned for that. That'll be fun. Good. Well. Big thanks again to Jody for taking the time to stop by today. Legend, a legend in his own time, making things happen over at the REA. We paid a lot for this to get him here. (laughs) And you know what? It's worked out just tremendously. I feel bad. thick in here now, Peter. You better lift your feet. (laughs) (laughs) We got donor help. It's all good. It's all good. I I felt bad we spent so much time talking about the video board. We didn't get to those socioeconomic terms of the world right now. We're, just, we're gonna we'll save to, that for another episode. Yeah, we'll have to solve the world's problems <laughs> another day. Thanks for having me. Ah, big thanks again to Jody. Thanks as always to Bill Chapes, our producer, David Folsky. I'm Alex Seinert. We'll talk to you again next week.